Welcome to the Migraine New Zealand podcast. Today, we are speaking with Maxine from Wellington. Welcome, Maxine. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. So you were just talking before and you said you suffer with chronic migraine. Tell us a little bit about your journey, how long you've been suffering um, or living with chronic migraines for. Um, so my first one when I w- was when I was 10 mm-hmm. um, and I'm now 25. So I've had them pretty consistently for the past 15 years, oh. um, but was only very in the past few years that someone's like finally uh, acknowledged it and been like, mm-hmm. yeah, you have migraines. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of migraines, um, I know you say you don't have aura, which is like the blindness eyesight type of thing. What, what kind of, what do you, what are the symptoms that you get with your chronic migraines? Um, so I mostly get pain in my face, in my right eye um, and the back of my head, quite mm-hmm. a strong pain. Um, and I get very, very nauseous. Um, when I was younger, I used to throw up every time I had one. Mm-hmm. Um, now that doesn't happen very often, um, <laughs> but I still get super nauseous and just like, yeah, just feel awful, get quite dizzy, um, and just very, very uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, obviously you've had them since you were 10. Um, so kind of how many doctors do you know you've been through or have you been seeing specialists or what kind of healthcare team have you kind of had with you through your journey? Um, Well, I had, um, when I was growing up, the family doctor we had was not that great. Um, And she genuinely just told my parents that she thinks I'm making it up. Um, So it was quite difficult for them because they have like this health professional that's like, she's just making it up. And uh, the way that my triggers work, I would often get migraines when I was doing something that I didn't want to do. Yeah which is obviously then perfectly mixes with she hates doing this and now she has a migraine. So that's very convenient, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I think that was probably all for all of us when we were younger. It was like the, oh, I don't really want to do this. And then, oh, I'm sick now, mom. Like I'm sick now, dad. And then it's the classic, like it rolls from that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I saw her most of my kind of, until I left New Zealand, really. Um, and then I moved overseas um, and I saw a doctor. Uh, I lived in Paris. I saw a doctor there. Um, then I came back here and I saw a neurologist mm-hmm. in New Zealand. Um, then I moved to London. And in London, I saw two different doctors, two or three before I found like a good doctor that I liked. And I saw, I think, two neurologists there mm-hmm. um and then I come home again and now I have just a normal GP um and a public neurologist that I've wow. seen and then I've also seen a whole bunch of like acupuncturists and um Botox specialists and masseuses and now I'm seeing a physio and all those different mm-hmm. kinds of things so absolutely so you've obviously done a lot of traveling with chronic migraine a part of your life how have you kind of balanced the two like how have you been able to travel and lived with chronic migraines um I think that part of it even though I really like 
hold a little bit of resentment towards the doctor who just said I was lying. Um, in some ways, it made me have to live with them without any kind of, like, I guess, relief because mm. people didn't believe me. I just had to kind of get on with it because I wasn't going to get the day off school or whatever. Mm. Um, so that made me quite good at being able to cope with them and kind of just pretend that I'm not in huge amounts of pain while I'm doing normal things that I need mm -hmm. to be doing um so that was kind of my way of coping also just taking like lots of medication yeah. um, <laughs> which isn't great but kind of you know you get to a point I'm sure you know where you just don't know what else to do you know no one's helping you Absolutely. um people don't really seem to believe you it's not an obvious thing so if you're at work you can't be like oh my head hurts I'm going home yeah. bye you know, you just take a whole lot of painkillers and try and get through the day. Absolutely. And obviously you've had been through different healthcare systems, systems here in New Zealand and then in Paris and then in London as well. Do you know some of the differences that New Zealand doesn't have or New Zealand has better than places around the world that you've been to? Um. I think I found it was quite different um, in London when I went to see a GP. It was very much in and out, five minutes, not a lot of like personal time, I guess, or time to really understand what was going on um, until I ended up going private with my GP um, where I paid for it. And when I did that, the GP was really, really, really good. Um, it was... Um, very similar in terms of trying to see someone publicly for neurology or anything like that and that you wait for a really long time and, you know, you kind of just get told a date and a time to come and you have to move everything around to be able to go because you don't move want to and earth to get to that appointment. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So I found a lot of, um, a lot of similarities there in France um I just went to like I didn't register for a GP I just went to this uh place that took walk-in patients um and some of the doctors spoke English um so you would sometimes have to wait for two hours kind of like going to an after hours system um but they scheduled me and they wouldn't give me any medication for my migraines until I had an MRI and a CT scan um, and that cost me a hundred euros. Uh, so what's, what's yeah. that? What's that? New Zealand dollars? <laughs> like two hundred dollars. Oh, okay. So um, that was that. Was that for that both or just one? For both of them. Okay. Yeah, that's that's um, quite good considering yeah, here in New Zealand it's probably like a thousand dollars for one. So that's kind of good. <laughs> yeah, it was quite similar because I ended up doing one here not long ago, another CT scan, and I think that was about two hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. um, but I had to. Um, quite far in before my doctor then recommended me for that. It wasn't mm -hmm. like the first thing they did were in France. They were like, before we do anything else, we want to check. There's not like a brain tumor or something like that. Absolutely. Um, I just recently had one a couple of weeks ago, an MRI, and that was the worst thing I've, I think I've ever done. Like there was tears and it was at like eight o'clock in the morning and like the 
noise and the pain that came after from the MRI was absolutely horrible. So doing that overseas, I don't know. I honestly don't know how you did it. Like I had support here, even though we were in level three lockdown in Auckland, but I still was like an absolute wreck, like a mess before, afterwards, during. So to do that overseas, you have huge, huge commitment on that. (laughs) Thank you. What kind of, what triggers your migraines for you that you kind of know of pinpoint? um, Yeah. Um, The main triggers for me are um, sleep. If I don't get enough sleep, Mm -hmm. if I'm stressed or anxious, um, I kind of go through cycles. um, Not so much anymore. I've kind of got it under control, but um, I struggle with depression. And when I'm depressed, I get more migraines. And because I get more migraines, I get more depressed. And it just kind of is this vicious cycle. Um, And then also a really weird one is when I get excited especially when I was younger um so not just like little things to get excited about but if we went on a field trip at school Mm -hmm. I'd always get a migraine or if we were going on holiday the day that we go on the plane I get a migraine um so that's yeah a really odd one and now it's not so bad but still if I'm doing something like a big day of traveling and going on the plane and stuff like that I'll definitely get a migraine from that yeah and how do you so do you take now medication prescribed to you by doctors like amitriptyline, nortriptyline, those kind of things, or are you still doing it with like natural therapies more? Um, I do a mix. So at the moment I take citalopram, Mm -hmm. um, which is an antidepressant that I was taking anyway. And the last neurologist I saw um, said to increase that and that's made a difference. Um, I've taken so many medications. I've tried amitriptyline, um, Propanolol, Candesartan, Topiramate, uh, I think it was Sumatriptan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've tried all of those and some of them were good. Like I was on amitriptyline for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, but then it kind of just wore off a little bit and I was just feeling exhausted all the time. So I just stopped taking it and I felt so much better. Yeah. Um, topiramate was awful I was on that for three months um and my doctor just wouldn't let me like stop taking it um and I had pins and needles everywhere I had constant stomach aches um I had migraines all the time like I just felt disgusting Mm. um and then I went on sumatriptan or I think that's what it's called um And I took that for maybe two weeks and I gained three kilos and I was already like struggling with my weight. Um, So I just stopped taking that because I was like, it's not worth, you know, to put on that much that quickly. Yeah. Um, And and that's that's not good for like the body as well to put on like, like to put on that amount of weight in like two weeks as a shock for the body. And then to add in the fact that you've taken a new medication and you're still having migraines, like, for the body to try and keep up and keep it under control, that's that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and recently I've started seeing a physio who's trained in the Watson theory treatment mm-hmm. of migraines and um, she is amazing. Um, and that's made a huge, huge difference. Awesome. And what, is there any kind of like natural therapies apart from like the Watson therapy? Are you, do you, take use essential oils or I don't know 
acupuncture and things like that are you doing more natural therapy things as well when you're in the height of an attack that you can do at home or anything um i've tried some of those as preventatives um Mm -hmm. i've been wanting to get some essential oils i just haven't yet Mm -hmm. um for when i'm having a migraine uh because i take so many painkillers that now when i take a painkiller i get a huge stomach ache um Mm -hmm. and i don't know i guess i'm a bit paranoid and i'm like oh my god am i getting a stomach ulcer i don't know so i want to try some different more natural things for when i'm having a migraine for sure and have you been recommended to change like food intake or anything like that with um your chronic migraines the last neurologist I saw recommended that I um, eat a bit more regularly because I wasn't very good at doing that. So now I try and always have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never really eat like badly mm-hmm. that much. You know, like I don't eat a whole lot of junk food, but I did eat a little bit like chocolate and chips and stuff like that. Who doesn't? Let's be real. (laughs) Um, So I've tried to not do so much of that and try to be a bit more controlled, I guess. Um, But yeah, like my diet was never, I saw one neurologist who, because a lot of people say that like food can be a trigger. Mm -hmm. Um, But I saw one neurologist once who was like, if something you're eating is a trigger, you would be able to tell me like I eat a slice of bread and 10 minutes later I have a migraine, you know, like you can quite easily see the triggers apparently. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah. for me, I don't, I don't really think food is that much of a trigger. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. For me, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like I, for me, I've, I've cut out now onions, mushroom, um, and yeah, onions and mushroom, I think, is the main two that I've done. And now I've been like this big attack at the moment. So I've cut out like soy and tomatoes because um, they're like, they've got high natural high glutamate or histamate or something along those lines. Um, so I've kind of started to cut them out. But it's kind of been like this like my doctor said, oh, don't worry about cutting anything out like that doesn't need to happen type thing. So I'm like, well, maybe it does. Maybe I'm just kind of like exploring things on my own, like <laughs> working through it, which I think you probably have you done yourself as you've tried to find things and learn more about chronic migraines than kind of what your doctors or your neuros or your everyone else kind of has suggested for you. Is that kind of correct? Like you've taught yourself, given yourself the information kind of thing through Google Google and things like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially with doctors, like neurologists are a little bit better, but doctors kind of, my doctor especially, um, sometimes just seems a little bit in over her head with it. She doesn't really, you know, like she tried this one medicine and it didn't work and she tried another one and it didn't work. And um, all she could really or really ever says to me is it's all about managing them Mm -hmm. um and like managing my stress and stuff like that but it doesn't really that's not really a solution yeah in my mind because like it's all and good to be like don't be stressed yeah (laughs) but like 
that doesn't that happen. Doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> happen. There's, there's always going to be a little bit of stress, I think, in everyone or a little bit of like nerves or anything like that is not for a doctor, like surely <laughs> they could give yeah. you something better. Yeah. So I've just kind of like, I've experimented with heaps of things. Um, I tried Botox and I paid for that because I couldn't get through to the public neurologist mm-hmm. to get to the stage where they would then do it for free. Yeah. Um, so pretty much anything I could try, I've tried. Mm-hmm. Did you, I know that's a big thing with a lot of people um, on the Migraine New Zealand chat group at the moment is trying to find who funds Botox. Um, so I know that a lot of people, we have different DHBs in New Zealand and some it's a their own individual DHB get to choose whether or not they want to fund Botox. Um, which is a huge thing because, you know, some people, it's like $1,000 for treatment. How much do you do you know you were paying for your Botox? I was paying, I think, about $1,500 every three months. Yeah. Um, so I managed, I tried it twice, and I know you're meant to try it a bit more than that. Um, but the effectiveness for the first two times versus how much it was costing was just not sustainable for me. Yeah, if it absolutely. was a magic cure, I would have tried to find a way to pay for it, yeah. but it just wasn't. Absolutely. And that I think is the kind of the toughest thing for a lot of us. You know, we have these few little amounts of medication that is funded here in New Zealand and we see and know of all these ones that are overseas that like work for all these people, but here in New Zealand they they aren't and that that fight I think is really important to get more here in New Zealand for people like you who who need and want to try more things to try and help them work through their chronic migraines yeah definitely did you I don't know um did you get to try were you overseas I don't know when the timing frame was whether they were out or not but um Amjovi or Imagility? Have you? No, it wasn't quite out yet okay. um, when I was out there, but I really, I've seen it and I've been like, wow, that sounds amazing. I really want to try it and then see that it's not funded. And I think I saw someone in Auckland paid for it, but it was a huge amount Absolutely. to have to pay for it. And it's just not, not realistic, which is really frustrating. Yeah. Absolutely. And how do you manage working? Are you working? How do you manage those kind of things um, with your chronic migraine? Uh, Well, I'm Mm self-employed, so that's good and bad. It's good because if I don't need to go into work, I won't. Mm -hmm. But also um, I teach pastry classes. So if I have a class scheduled, I can't cancel it and there's no one else who can teach it for me. Um, so I have to kind of just suck it up and teach the class with a migraine, um, which is, um, like I'm pretty used to it by now. Like it doesn't make it any less like painful or frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think like I've, I'm quite, I'm quite lucky because the industry I'm in, um, I'm a pastry chef. 
if I worked for someone else um, that requires normally working, you know, from 10 o'clock in the morning till midnight or 1am, which yeah. triggers more migraines. So working for myself is a way that I can make things a bit easier for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And I was, I was self-employed um, doing a massage business myself up until recently when I've had to just give it away for now. Um, and I 100% agree, like going into the massage business, it's a physical job. People want you to work like from this time till this time. And you, you, can't, you can't manage your migraines and then try and manage that as well. So you have to do a bit of give and take. And then like you've done, you've gone out on your own and a, a pastry chef, self-employed, um, and that kind of stuff. How do you, how do you find the system in New Zealand for being self-employed and living with a chronic illness? Um, be honest. I think, be honest. I, mean, <laughs> I haven't really, um, I haven't really looked at kind of. Basically, I just kind of get stuck at the point of like, my doctor told me when I first came back when I came back to New Zealand and set up my business and I started seeing this doctor, um, she kind of told me that after I take, get through this list of medications to try and if none of them work, then you can see a neurologist, which is what I did. And then I had to wait like six, six, seven months to see the neurologist. Um, and at that point I was just getting really frustrated because I'm like, you know, I'm contributing to the economy. I'm, you know, I pay my taxes. I should be able to see someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone was kind of like, everyone thinks like, oh, I just get the business to pay for it and see a private one. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, if you do that once, fine, you know, five or $600. Yeah. But then every three months, if you need to pay five or $600, you know, like where's that money going to come from? And I think there was just, for me, a lack of understanding of, like, the stress of being self-employed and making making ends meet, making sure you're, like, running a business, everything's going smoothly, and then putting yourself, looking after yourself kind of takes a back seat mm. to that. Um, and I felt like um, doctors I've seen and other people I've seen never really seem to understand that. Mm, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think that's a huge thing. Um, you know, I think I think one thing for me is that I'm kind of lucky in the sense that with my vestibular migraines, my doc didn't know what was going on, so referred me to a specialist within a couple of months of me trying to convince him that something wasn't right. Um, but I still then had to wait the six, five months or so to see a specialist. However, I hadn't had to go through trial and error with the medications because he didn't know what was kind of wrong with me at that stage. Um, And he is no longer my doctor. So my new doctor had actually picked up seeing um, my files that I had vestibular migraines and I saw her after my specialist appointment. So I really think, you know, that's, that's really important that, you know, these two different, there's multiple types of migraines, but in saying that you have chronic migraine and I have vestibular migraine. Um, and so seeing that change is, 
it's not good, if that makes sense. Like, it's not good to see that, you know, you have to go through a list of medications to then be able to see a neuro, whereas my doctor didn't know what's going on with me, so just sent me to a specialist anyway. So I think there's definitely some work that could be done in around the healthcare system in New Zealand that it kind of needs to be something that's more more serious, more taken seriously, more done more efficiently and faster. Um, I know my period has been through the COVID period of seeing a specialist and having an MRI and all these kind of things. So it's taken a lot longer <laughs> um, with level four lockdown. And now we're in a level three lockdown here in Auckland. So absolutely. And what kind of support system do you have around you yeah, what kind of, how have they been with your chronic migraines? Um, my parents are really great, especially once they, like, as I got older and then they started to really understand, like, oh, she's not making this up. It's not, um, no, it's not a joke. You're not just doing it for yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's not like, like, I feel so bad saying that they didn't believe me because it's not like, like, they're amazing parents, you know, and if they could see that I had something wrong with me they would you know they would have totally you know without question um it was just that thing of always like especially I found even now if I go for a run not that I do that very often yeah if I go for a run I get a migraine and so every Wednesday at school the last class was PE I would get a migraine and then I had something that I didn't want to go to after school and I would have a migraine from running and they'd be like every Wednesday you have a migraine. Yeah. Um, but then as I got older and I would be at work and I would come home with a migraine, then they'd be like, oh, you've been just been doing something you really like and you still have a migraine. So there's something actually wrong. Absolutely. Um, so they've been super supportive. If I ever like, if I ever said to them, I can't wait for the public neurologist, I need to see someone tomorrow, you know, and I need money for it. They would help me out. Um, is super understanding um, and I have the most <clears throat> the most amazing boyfriend who is incredibly understanding um, and just super supportive always if I get a migraine I always feel like um, this particular noodle soup from a restaurant in Wellington because it's uh -huh. like the only thing I can eat and he'll always go and get it for me um, <laughs> and just very, I know, for him. <laughs> yeah I know a lot of people um, have partners who don't understand because they don't have migraines and they see them being unable to work and they're kind of, they can be quite critical and they're not that nice to them. And they just like, well, you should just get up and go to work anyway. What are you complaining about? This is your second one this week. Um, whereas I just found a really good one who's always like, you know, taking care of me, getting me anything I need, always making sure that, you know, I'm okay. And that if mm -hmm. I need help at work, he'll come and help me after he's finished mm -hmm. his work. And How did you like go that. through, I was talking with someone the other day about like the dating period with chronic migraine. So you probably would have gone through like 10 to dating. How did you deal with like the dating going out with someone kind of period with a chronic illness? Do you, meet them and then tell them straight up? Did you hide it? Like, how did you work around that? Um, it was quite, like, it depended on the person, mm -hmm. I think. Like, I kind of tried all aspects, mm -hmm. I guess, all different approaches. Um, 
I tended to kind of just bring it up in conversation kind of casually Mm -hmm. um, as much as I could. Um, The thing that I found harder than the migraines um, was uh, bringing up my depression because that Mm -hmm. scared people away. They were just like, oh, no, too much. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, So it's kind of that that was very tricky because it's like, do you tell them on the first date? And then Mm -hmm. if they want to leave, they can just leave straight away. Do you wait a few weeks? Do you, you know, when do you bring it up? Um, So I kind of would just casually mention it early on. And then later on, once it got a bit more serious, I would be like, okay, you need to know this. This is Mm -hmm. what's happening with my migraines. This is what's happening with my depression, with my anxiety. If you don't want to deal with it, that's fine. But, you know everything now mm-hmm. and it's kind of out there. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was my, my system for it. Yeah. Do you have siblings? Yes. I've got a brother who lives in Australia. Uh, and how, how was he, is he older, younger? Did he like grow up around you having migraines? Yeah. He was um, older, a couple of years older. He grew up kind of with me having them. Um, I think it was never, you know, like, I want to say not a big deal, but like I would have a migraine and then I would, if I had a migraine, I would just come home and lie on the couch and like Mm. cuddle one of my dogs um, and then go to bed very early. It was never like made, never impacted his life, I guess. Mm. Um, We weren't really very close when I was younger like mm-hmm. uh, you know typical brother sister absolutely yet, always yeah. bickering about stuff so I don't think he really really cared whereas yeah. now he does yeah absolutely and like that's that's really funny when you're like you know the age gap I have siblings there's age gap between us I've only kind of studied them in the recent years so for me like they don't really care either. <laughs> so yeah. I, so I, I totally get that. Um, absolutely. And for our final little thing, what is something that you want people in the world to know or people in New Zealand that are going through the same thing? What's a little tip, trick, anything that you kind of want to share to the people? Um, I think just like be stubborn about it. Uh, the first neurologist I ever saw prescribed me amitriptyline and he said, in six months, you'll be better and you'll never have to come back. What you know? a load of crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so my parents were like, oh my gosh, great. You're going to be cured. Um, no. <laughs> and, you know, and the same with my doctor saying, you know, it's just about management. You just have to learn to manage them. And it's like, you know, I think they don't always see you as an individual person who's in pain they Mm. see you as kind of a bit of a problem Mm. and they just need to kind of give you a fix and get you out of the way so they can treat the next person um and i think it's about really just keep trying everything you can because just because something doesn't work for me doesn't mean it's not going to work for you and if you're on a medication and it makes you feel like shit Sorry, I don't know if I can swear on here. Yeah, you can see it. Um, you can see it. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, keep going to your doctor or just, I mean, 
I know they always say don't stop taking a medication without your doctor's advice, but the doctor doesn't force you to take it, you Mm -hmm. know? So if it makes you feel awful, don't just go with it and think, well, this is it, you know, just be stubborn and keep trying. And eventually, hopefully it will start to get better. Absolutely. There'll be something out there, a mixture of combos or things. Absolutely. That we can try to, to get us, to get us through. Um, Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for joining us on the Migraine New Zealand podcast. Thank you so much for having me. That's right. And that's a wrap from me. We will see you next week.